Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Jennifer Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels on Blog Talk Radio. Actually, Blake Radio, Rainbow Soul. And tonight's topic is absolutely uh, fascinating, not only to, of course, uh, patients, but to doctors, too. This is a big story that hit the doctor newswire and just generated incredible interest. In fact, it's one of the top 10 most searched articles. And so, what's the topic? Today, the topic is dozens of drugs recalled. Not okay in the UK, but okay in the US. These drugs are recalled by the European Union due to flawed research. In other words, it was determined that the research presented to get these drugs approved for use was not valid. But the FDA took a look at the same situation and said, eh, no problem. Leave the drugs on the market in the United States. So I'm going to review with you what the issue is, how it was revealed to doctors, and what was concealed. Then we're going to talk about the drugs that are affected and what this really means, does this really mean that drugs are safer in the UK and more dangerous in the US or not? So what's really going on here? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Well, there are facts, my interpretation. So I'll let you know when we get to the my opinion part instead of the uh, their facts part. So we're going to start with their facts. So suspend dozens of drugs based on flawed studies EMA says. So the EMA is more or less the equivalent of the FDA, but this is in the, in the European Union. And so a committee of the European Medicines Agency has recommended suspending the sale of roughly four dozen generics 
for conditions such as diabetes, depression, hypertension, because their approvals were based on flawed clinical studies conducted in India, the agency announced today. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has not yet taken action on the issue. So, uh, clinical studies were conducted in India, and they were flawed. Now, if you check out the FDA uh, orphan drug uh, protocols, and if you check out the um, sites discussing research in the United States and how U.S. drugs are approved, it is a routine uh, practice to conduct research in places like um, India in order to get the needed results and outcomes. But let's continue. Familiar names on the list included include Candisartan, Lanazepil, Esmeprazole, and Metformin. The list extends more than 120 pages because the drugs are marketed individually in many European nations in various dosages and therefore appear over and over, which is true. I looked at the list and some drugs appear, you know, 10, 20 times. Abbott Laboratories, Atavis, Dr. Reddy's Laboratories, Myelin Pharmaceuticals, Sandoz, and Takeda Pharmaceuticals are some of the many manufacturers involved. The recommendation to suspend drugs would apply across the entire European Union. Drug regulators in France, Germany, Belgium, and Luxembourg have already acted to stop the sale of 25 drugs. The clinical studies in question were conducted by GVK Biosciences, a contracted research organization in Hyderabad, India. This is a common practice, by the way. Many uh, drug companies do not do their own research. They subcontract it out to research organizations, such as uh, GVK in Hyderabad, India, and, of course, you'll see why. The recommendations of the European Medical Association Committee for Medical Medicinal Products for Human Use to suspend the drugs was based on a French inspection of GVK that revealed data manipulations of electrocardiograms during the conduct of some studies of generic medicines, apparently over the course of at least five years. The systematic and prolonged nature of these manipulations and the number of staff involved cast doubt on the integrity of the trial methodology and the reliability of the data generated, said EMA. Now, we can just, I'm going to put this in English for you. Uh, reliability means, is the data true? Can you rely on it? And so if you cannot rely on the data, then that means the data would be false. Okay, so I'm just going to put this in English for you. However, there is no evidence of harm or lack of effectiveness linked to the conduct of studies by GVK biosciences. Now, obviously, if you're manipulating EKG data, and EKGs or electrocardiograms are a way of detecting whether or not the heart is affected by drugs. Now, this is uh, kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth, which is basically... Uh, this data, which is designed to de detect heart damage from the drug, was possibly fake. And 
nevertheless, there's no evidence of any damage or harm from this, these actions. All right. So this is obviously written by a politician. No problem. In a statement posted on its website, GBK Biosciences called the recommendation unprecedented and highly disproportional. Now, unprecedented means it hasn't happened before. Disproportional means they're being singled out. They're being treated unfairly. So they're not saying they didn't do what they are accused of doing. What they are saying is that the inspection focused on them as opposed to everyone else who may be doing the same thing, number one. And number two, this has never been done before. All right. The company quoted French inspectors who said that the electrocardiograms are not essential given the demonstration of bioequivalence. Now, bioequivalence means that they demonstrate that the drug in the generic pill was biologically equivalent to the drug in the brand name pill. So in other words, the same material was released into the body of humans with the same uh, frequency and concentration over time. All right. And that their observations should not be extrapolated to the bioanalytic, pharmacokinetic, and statistical aspects of his research. So what they're saying is maybe we lied about the EKGs, maybe we faked them, maybe we falsified them, but you shouldn't say then that we're fundamentally lacking in integrity and that we would fake bioanalytic or pharmacokinetic or statistical aspects of our research. So this is, this is the defense that GBK Biosciences has. So GBK is working closely with its customers. That means people who buy generic drugs in bulk, and that means the drug companies who have subcontracted with GBK for its research. So it's working closely with customers to ensure an appropriate and quick resolution to these issues, the company said. Now, this is important to understand their defense. Their defense is everybody else is doing it. In other words, you single us out. And the other defense is you guys have never done this before. If, you've done, if we knew it was coming, we would have prepared for it. So that's their basic defense. They're not saying we didn't do it. They're not saying our data is good. They're saying our data is as good as anybody else's data. And they're also saying, wait a minute, you didn't catch us faking the pharmacokinetic data, which is data about how the drugs move around and act in the body, and you didn't catch us faking any statistical stuff. So you, you can't presume or generalize our lack of integrity to all the aspects of our business. It's unfair. And, you know, they've got a point. Now, GBK Biosciences is a company that does research. And so if a government body can come in and say, what priorities in a few of your drugs or in your basic procedures, so we're going to invalidate all of what you've done on all of your drugs. Obviously, if a drug company was doing its own research, then it could be inspected and all of the drugs that that drug company released could be taken off the market because its press were called into question. And so this is the importance of subcontract research. Okay? So 
In other words, so this uh, inspecting body, the European Embassy, they didn't say to Abbott Laboratories, wait a minute, you're contracting with a uh, unscrupulous, unreliable research agency for selling. Therefore, we're going to generalize this behavioral pattern to all of them, all of them off the market. So you see how that works? So this general was applied to this one company, one company and was not generalized to the drug companies who chose the service of this particular uh, research company. May or is accused of providing unreliable data. And so in the case of the United States, what does the FDA say? The FDA, the medical news, FDA, the EMA recommendation. They received a state agency headline after the decision of several information and sales of various generics, not brand names, generics. In it, the FDA said that some 40 drug applications in 2007 to March 2012 did contain GBK clinical data and that some were approved. So the FDA in the United States did approve drugs on GBK research data. The FDA declined to identify the question or indicate those that had been approved. According to the FDA, agency the GBK biosciences in September on the heels of the French inspection and failed to find any evidence that affects the safety or efficacy of drug products or products approved in the U.S. So they didn't find any evidence that affected the safety of drug products that were pending approval. So it's not clear what that means. It might mean that they did find issues, but they didn't think the issues fine. means that they did find issues, but none of the drugs they felt in the So the agency promised to take swift and appropriate action to protect American consumers if find issues concerning GBK biosciences that relate to products approved by the FDA. Okay, so this is uh, because basically what the FDA has said is it's not taking any action, any drugs from the market in the United States because we just don't see where this is. Now, the EMA investigation encompasses more than individual generics in various forms and strengths as individually approved in 29 EU nations of this group had enough supporting clinical data from other sources to warrant staying on the market. And there were various uh, repetitions of the core of 48 drugs. That should be suspended, DMA said. However, making for drugs that are critically important because there are no alternatives to meet patients' needs. So that's that's the story, and they're sticking to it. This is the crux of the problem. Let's take a look at some of these drugs. Interesting. 
Well, first of all, I just want to point out the mail to doctors. The doctors got this on January 23rd. No years are limited to a list of the drugs that were affected. On the EMA website, and the EMA website says, uh, what additional statements need to be released. That was not useful. However, in the margin, it's sorry, clicking, 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 So let's take a look at this. The first one is, and these are generics, and so we're using generic names. Ezomethazole is otherwise known as Nexium is the little purple pill. And Nexium is a proton pump inhibitor. It's totally shut down. And these are cells because way back when, in the uh, early 90s, late 80s, they were found to relieve the symptoms of ulcer indigestion, basically. However, uh, studies on rats that developed cancer after taking uh, this class of drugs for a these drugs were approved by the FDA in the United States, knowing that they cause cancer, and it was said, well, not some long-term use. Uh, used for fewer than eight weeks. Like, yeah, buddy, because our torture began, kill the animals, give them cancer, and then ignore the data. So after this happened, any kind of animal-based research, because obviously the data wasn't being used to protect humans. So why do torture and murder these animals and then not even use the data? But I digress. So it has been found that there is an increase of cancer, especially esophageal cancer. And proton pump inhibitors stop at the production of stomach, raise the pH, and pick it through the alkaline environment in the stomach without uh, being inhibited or restricted. And so it told out a very important part of the immune system. That it's on the market at all is, uh, of course, quite... And so it was determined then that the generic of Nexium in its many forms would be removed from the European... What do you think of a brand name, Nexium? Which obviously is no longer under patent. Basically, that's been given de facto. De facto means in ethical matter, patent protection after the patent expiration. Let's take a look at another drug. Atacan. Oh boy, Atacan. A high blood pressure medication. I'm using Atacan because it's a brand name and one of these. The generic name is Candisart. Now, Candisartan, opening the study, Candisartan, um, in the 90s, 
And my and who uh, had really awesome insurance, that patient, yeah, but she had really awesome insurance, and she had high blood pressure, so she wanted to see the kidney specialist for high blood pain, that if she wanted to see a kidney specialist pressure, make sure that her high blood pressure never affected her kidneys. That was the thinking. And since she had excellent insurance, she could afford it, no problem. So he used blood pressure medicines to control her blood pressure, and she developed an incredible condition. And she, the phone would ring, she burst into tears. Who had knocked on the door? She burst into tears. And this is somebody who was so incredibly up in the middle of class that there was absolutely nothing for her to fear from the phone with a knock on the door. I mean, everything was just taken care of. She had just a wonderful, wonderful life. So she comes into my office as a new patient, telling me this story about her wonderful, beautiful life and how things happened when she burst into tears. So I said to her, man, you must be on drugs. I said, ah, just kidding. So sure enough, she was on this particular blood pressure drug, and I had insert, happened to have one. And I read it, and sure enough, it caused mental changes. It was possible for her depression. We took her off the drug, and uh, her weeping and crying away, and she was able to enjoy her wonderful life. So, uh, again, it's a uh, blood pressure medication, and it's an ACE inhibitor, Candice in the United States, and we have them as a brand name, and these generics are also still on the market. And the next one is Nevibolol. Now, Nevibolol uh, is a beta blocker. And it's one that uh, is used uh, some in the United States, but not really much. So beta blockers are interesting in drugs. Beta blockers cause pressure by causing the heart to beat less often and with less force. So most of the activity by sending messages sent from one another. Now, that's an incredible, uh, you know, this is one that leads Therefore, the brand name that has uh, kind of a clear path in our. The next one is Clarinet. Now, while I was in practice in the 90s, and way back when, you only had two uh, allergies. Either you could use Benadryl, and the first one fell asleep, or you could make, you know, Zippy and Hyper. And so Clarinex, when it came out of the market, was, oh, my God, miracle drug. And if you get rid of allergies and not cause drowsiness. And so this was the uh, understanding of the is desloratidine. And this is what uh, it says. And I'll let you medication that contains lactose. Can you believe it? Lactose, lactose is a diary that actually many people are allergic to. And so they put this out to do 
that this drug is Now, during the marketing of desloratadine, in cases of severe difficulty breathing, wheezing, itching, eyes, and swelling have been reported. This is supposed to help allergies, and now they're just saying, what do you causes allergies? And what do they put in this? They put cornstarch. Corn is a lot of a GMO. So you're going to give this to someone who has allergies. That means, again, milk sugar. Other ingredients, titanium dioxide, and aluminum. But what the heck. And then, in case you're not already concerned about the ingredients in this crazy allergic the manufacturer tells us, do not throw away any medicines, water, or waste. These measures will help protect the environment. So this medicine that folks that help you with their allergies should not be thrown away via waste water. You can't flush it down in the toilet or in household waste. What so happens is it can't be thrown away even if it's too because it might hurt the environment. Okay, be really, really uh, it's amazing. It uh, was that the generic equivalents of these drugs were not properly supported by uh, studies. Now we have also known as Aricept. Actually, I'm sorry, Donatazil. This is a drug that is marketed to treat Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Now, if you look at manufacturers, this is a brand name manufacturer, because their own data, and Aricept can only be shown to improve the lot about 10% of those who take it. That's right, 10%. And a set of Aricept is Alzheimer's, worsening of Alzheimer's. Very interesting. And this is the drug company's own information. This is their own information. And again, the only thing found wanting is that the generic equivalent was not properly researched. Next is Prandin. Prandin is a very popular, well, very popular. It really took off uh, back when I was in practice. Um, this is a diabetic pill that gets the pancreas and type 2 diabetics to release more. Even though the condition, type 2 diabetes, is characterized by excess insulin production, this is a pill that increases insulin production or released by this. 
And the possible side effects, of course, are allergic reactions. So if you get one allergic reaction, like sudden wheezing, difficulty swelling of your eyelids, watching of the skin or itching, especially affecting your whole body, they think you should maybe stop the test. You should stop taking it. Common signs are going too low, and it's at 10% of people who take it. Now, this is an interesting concept. 10% of those who take it, 10% of those who take it over what time? Is that over six weeks, over six months, over a year, or even not at all? And the risk of getting a low blood sugar increased if you take something. And so what guys that I think is just one drug. And this is acute coronary syndrome that means like chest pain mimicking a heart attack. And that's one person in one thousand who takes it gets that. Sound like much, but that's actually a lot. Now that's the medical practice. I have five thousand people in my practice. So obviously if I use this without diabetics, I would see five cases of severe chest pain in the every year. And in 2015, this patient would be subdued. One four-day hospital stay costing more or less five to twenty-five thousand. That is chest pain, of course, caused by a drug that was prescribed. Enough, this medicine also has diarrhea, visual disturbances, which is like what? This is a diabetic, right? Medication and get visual disturbances, which is a diabetes side effect, but this causes the same. And then frequency is constipation, nausea, severe liver problems, and rash, itchy skin, redding of the skin, swelling of the skin. Side effects are not known, and it gets worse. Rapid feeling sweating. Could be anaphylactic reaction, call your doctor immediately. Also, uh, low blood sugar, coma, unconsciousness, and hypoglycemic. Contact a doctor immediately. So, if you go into a coma, unconscious, you have contact your doctor immediately. All right. Not because obviously the person can't contact the doctor because they're in a coma. And it causes aches and pains of the joints and of the back. And head paresis, and chest pain, urinary tract and tooth disorder. So this is what you have to look forward to if uh, you accept and take a thin, which is for uh, diabetes. And so what was found then was that the generic problem of this drug uh, demonstrate that it was equivalent to this brain neighbor. Now, this is another one that I like. How did that? Certainly in the 90s when I was uh, in medical practice. Now, the um drug or osteoporosis. So, the story goes. Ladies who get older, their bloods get thinner, their bones get thinner and thinner, and of course, they're at risk for and falling down. 
And this is a terrible thing because, of course, it reduces their mobility. You can't get a bad hip. It breaks, right? This is bad news. So, Fosamax. So, Fosamax did some research and some studies, and they found that Fosamax, sure enough, made it stronger. But what did they find? Oh, increased bone density. What they found, though, was a decreased bone density in the jaw. And literally, ladies would break their jaw chewing their food at dinner. And uh, incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, a liability, product liability lawyer's dream and uh, off the races. And, and that scandal broke while I was still in practice back in the 90s. As elendronic, at, elendronic acid or Fosamax. And these drugs and their brand name form are still on the market in the UK. It's the generics that were now in the uh, United States, the FDA took a look and said, a problem here. And it turns out that the research practices and the practices that are permitted in terms of um, testing drugs um, are so filled with, I guess the word is loopholes, but I don't even think they're loopholes, they're just literally placed there with opportunities and in companies that have a drug to manipulate the data and cause the data to show a drug might be safe or might be effective when actually it's not. And then, of course, you the marketing guys that's coming right here, and they do the uh, commercials for the and the coordinator program was on the same page and ready to use the drugs. And so the FDA determined, which, which I think was absolutely correct, that the standard of for all drugs is so poor. Okay, so I, I use the word poor as a judgment. But the FDA's assessment was the standards of standards employed did not substantially deviate from the standards that the FDA uses or permits in scientific studies. And so, therefore, what the FDA does know additional hazards posed by allowing these to market, even though the integrity level of the company investing these research studies was called into question. And so, if ever that had cheating on its mind um, was that was declared fabulous. I think what the FDA is thinking that, well, we wouldn't have any medications. We can't have that. No, can we? So, in a sense, the FDA was correct that the practices 
exhibited by this particular company were not especially just egregious meaning outstandingly bad or worse than the industry. And number two, these less safe than the brand name drugs, which as you can are um they say in England pretty dodgy. So what the FDA said we refuse to get involved in the tool for brand name pharma by taking out all the generics and their patents under the guise of so this is what FDA's uh position was. So I'm again giving the okay, follow the EU's lead. What would have happened is simply the generic competition to these drugs would be removed. And you don't have any safe environment for patient to have brand name drugs that are off patent a monopoly or closer to a monopoly. So my interpretation of this, and this is my interpretation, the union has allowed itself to be used as a tool to eliminate generic competition to brand name drugs. That is this of this. But we have this 135-page list of all these drugs that um, are being taken off the market. And so if these drugs are so bad, what about their brand-name equivalents? Are their brand-name equivalents that much safer? And, you know, you, you have to you have to ask that. And these various hazards. I mean, drugs are going to cause you to be, go into a coma, and after you go into a coma, you, you have to, you know, just kind of uh, walk your mind through the logic of this. Uh, the moral of the story, of course, is the tech land. In other words, any organization that allows these drugs to even be sold and simultaneously suppresses the free use of supplements, which is what the EU does, cannot seriously take action on the basis of patient welfare. I always look for the backstory. Who benefits? Who benefits from uh, this action? It's obvious it's limited to generic drugs, and the company's selection or the company that does research exclusively for generic drugs. And so this is being used as a basis to basically create generic market. Companies go through um, the tedium of extending their patents and um, other And it in no way makes the medical landscape at all safer for 
patient in the EU because, again, the granted equal ones remain. So this is the time we're going to pause. If people have questions, they can put the little buttons there. Not your questions. We're going to check the um, chat window. Oh, I should have been questions. People. Question call in line. Let's see. 914-338-0695. And chat room, of course, is healing with drdaniel.chatango.com. I also want to let you go to Vitality Capstone and sign up for our video on list so that you can get notices about our Valentine's Day sale, the Share the Love sale. So for Vitality Capstone lovers, the prices are so good that you'll be able to share them. Okay, so the questions in the chat room. If the supplier is at fault, not the distributors, one and the same. Ha ha ha. I always had these uh, questions about uh, drug suppliers and distributors. We have this thing in, um, I'm from New York. When I say I'm from New York, I mean I practice medicine in New York. And it always amazed me, and I just couldn't understand how it happened that there were these drugs, they were called, street uh, drugs because they had no uh, medical benefit and people were them abusively. And these drugs were were in were available somehow in large amounts. I mean, large amounts, like you know, I don't know, milligram or by the ton. And so the pills were manufactured by drug companies. And so the question is, if this pill is illegal. Um, in this case, it was the speedball back then uh, in the old days. In the 70s. Um, people would use uppers, and, and now they call it ADHD medications or Adderall. But uh, back then it was speed, and it was illegal. And all these children were legitimate drug companies. Why are they legitimate drug companies? I mean, drug companies that made drugs prescribing. The question is, if this drug is illegal, then why is it illegal to produce it? How's the drug drink to the drug dealers in the street? Of course, as they can figure that out. And of course, I just knew that at some point, um, the medical school curriculum would address, would address those those. So, uh, connection is terrible. Okay, so for those of you who find this connection is really awful, I have a recording on my app. I will be posting a much better quality um, recording. Okay. 
Okay, connection is terrible. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we have a lot on in the chat room. Okay, so the question is, what about the seeds and GMO seeds and heirloom seeds and what's going on? Um, so the question is, um, are heirloom seeds being protected involved so that they unlocked at some appropriate time in the future and save us all? That was actually the keynote. Um, about 19, uh, it's really around, around 2000, a little after and earlier, um, the United States kept what's called a seed vault of seeds um, that were just as they were back in 1800, 1700. Every year, the government would release seeds to the seed catalogs like burpees or it would have heirloom seeds, these seeds, those seeds. And this was a service the government provided to basically help rotate the seed uh, stock so that uh, crop failures would be less likely. And also so that home gardeners could, you know, get these different types of seeds. Now what happened recently in the 2000s was that this stock of heirloom quality seeds um, that was protected by the government was actually released for patent. And so it was permitted for companies to go into the seed bank, select seeds they wanted to patent, and actually patent those seeds. Very, very interesting. I'm not sure what the outcome of that has been. I'm sure we're going to find out in the future. So what this means then is that not only would GMO seeds be under patent, but the organic, high-quality heirloom seeds would be under patent. And so, um, this means that we may find that um, the whole garden thing, you know, this backyard garden thing, where a gardener can um, save their own seeds, might be no longer the case. That it might be that um, When you plant heirloom seeds or save heirloom seeds, you may be violating a patent. And so that's uh, that's very uh, very surprising. And so it's something that people uh, should be aware of. And so. I don't think that uh, we're out of the woods yet with this whole GMO thing. It's very uh, interesting to see how it's going to uh, 
to unfold. And this is something that I think is really going to help um, people come to the realization of simply uh, controlling their own food supply. Okay, so we have a lot of conspiracy theorists in the uh, in the chat room, and uh, they've they've got a few um, <laughs> uh, a few names as a suspect that might be responsible for everything. Now, uh, another person said, uh, can you comment on city water and the drugs in city water? Okay. And it turns out that there's a lot of pharmaceutical drugs in city water. And you have to wonder how the concentration of drugs in the water gets so high. Especially when you think, especially, I mean, I'm from Syracuse, New York. We have a bunch of lakes in the area. Um, and you take a look at these lakes and how big and how vast they are. And you've got to wonder how you can get enough drugs in the water supply so it even becomes detectable. But, of course, we have a couple of uh, drug manufacturing plants in, uh, in the area. And so it's not clear to me whether there are um, people flushing drugs in their toilet or whether there's actually massive infusion of large amounts of drugs into the uh, water supply. So it just seems to me that the amount of drugs in the water is rather large and can't really be accounted for by people flushing their toilets. And so uh, that's another thing. But the answer to that, of course, is that uh, tap water, no matter where you live in the United States, is not um, a health product. And drinking tap water is not a healthy maneuver for preserving your health. And so... um, Part of being drug-free is not drinking tap water. Um, a lot of people uh, maybe don't go to the doctor, don't take prescription drugs, but they drink tap water. Well, if you're drinking tap water, you are getting a lot of drugs, and no one's looking to see whether they mix or not. The um, other issue in terms of drugs is the food supply. So if you're eating um, meat from the freezer section in your grocery store, you're definitely getting some pretty high doses of drugs. Um, In the United States, the animals have a very high amount of antibiotics, and this is something that has simply persisted and something that the government has not taken a position on in terms of reducing the uh, drugs in the meat supply. And so as a, as a, I won't say consumer, but as an individual, um, if you choose to eat meat, your best bet is to deal directly with farmers who don't use drugs 
because drugs, like the ones uh, in, in the UK that are being um, debated, and the ones in the United States that are not being debated, are all something to be avoided. And so avoiding them requires a definite strategy because you're absolutely surrounded by drugs. Going to a doctor and getting a prescription is definitely over the top. I mean, that's serious drug use. But even without that, if all you do is drink tap water and eat meat out of the grocery store, then you're getting a pretty high dose of drugs. And um, as someone in the chat room said, you probably have a drug problem. Only the drug problem is with uh, the drugs that, that you are being fed and that are being put in your system uh, without your explicit knowledge or permission. But I'll mention what I got. I got this notice in my um, iPod. It said, by using this device, you consent to any and every condition you place on it. And so basically, by purchasing meat from the store, you are consenting to ingest any and all chemicals put in that meat. And so people need to be a little more uh, discerning about what constitutes consent. And so apparently it constitutes consent if you purchase drug-filled meat from the store, then that constitutes your consent to consume those drugs. If you choose to avail yourself of water from the faucet, that constitutes consent to ingest the many drugs that are in the uh, the tap water. So, um, I think that we have to reevaluate what constitutes consent and move that consent line to participation. So, if you participate in um, being drugged, then that's an implicit consent to. Uh, drugging. So somebody, uh, somebody asked, Dr. Gans, how can we really trust that any vitamin, minerals, or drugs we buy from vitamin stores or online are what they say they are, no matter what they say? Well, that's a good question. Um, so the answer here, the question here is for really trust. So I don't really think there's a place for really trust. The question is, if you want to buy um, supplements online, where should you buy them from? first place you should buy them from is from the supplement manufacturer himself. That is your best bet. So if you want to buy um, Weber Naturals B12, then go to the Weber Naturals site. And so um, that's what you should do. The first step is to buy the supplement from the entity that manufactures them. And so if someone is not the manufacturer and if they're just passing off a drug as uh, something that it's not, then they know it's going to be traced back to the manufacturer, not them. So you buy it from the person who has or would have the responsibility for it. 
<laughs> so that's one way. So one way to to um, pay attention to the quality of what you get online is to buy it from the manufacturer. The um, second way to control the quality of what you buy online is to buy it from a vitamin distributor. So again, the vitamin distributor is going to buy it directly from the manufacturer. I think the most dicey ways to buy um, supplements is from an entity that's not the manufacturer and not a distributor. So in other words, if you buy, say, from Vitacost, um, Vitacost is a place that sells all kinds of supplements, and they even um, private label their own. So that's going to be a better place to buy them than, say, eBay, for example. So you want to buy from a place that generally carries supplements. And if you get a bad supplement, they're more likely to either discontinue that supplement um, or take some type of action to correct the systemic problem and or just not have the problem at all. So that would be the best way to uh, guarantee or safeguard the quality online. And of course, what I like to recommend you do whenever possible is to buy the whole herb. If you buy the whole herb, then you can recognize it just by looking at it, by taking a pinch of it, giving it a chew. And so you actually audit and identify it rather than relying on any um, second or third party. It's always a bad thing to do. And nowadays, there's just so much going on out there that you really uh, can't, you know, you just can't do that. It's not not um, reliable. So with Vitality Capsules, of course, I am the manufacturer, so that's easy. And um, they are made only herbs and seeds, so there's, there's no adulteration or extracting um, involved. So I'd like to again remind people to go to vitalitycapsules.com, sign up for uh, one of my lists, Dr. Daniel's list, and then uh, you'll get notice of our Valentine's Day Share the Love Sale. So that's it for today's show, and I hope that you learned something about why it's okay in the UK and not the US, and why it's actually really okay in both places, because these drugs are still on the market. Just another false flag. See you.